From Arlington, Virginia, this is Formative Tracks, the show where we sit down with D.C. area musicians to talk about the top five songs that made them who they are. I'm Eliza Burkhan. Today we are chatting with Virginia guitarist Tristan Welch. Welcome, Tristan. Thank you. Uh, So how are you doing, given the tumultuous, sort of horrible year that is 2020? It's, uh, It's a strange time (laughs) i'm lucky i still uh keep working i'm at work right now so um so i'm very privileged when it comes to that and i'm well aware of it um but i have a lot of friends out of work and that sucks a lot um i wish there was more help for people Mm -hmm. you know but i mean i'm doing okay but yeah and so it's sounding like music is not your day job but something that you do would you say recreationally or yeah I mean there was a point in time where I mean this is I used to make music under various other names and there was a point in time where maybe I could have been okay touring and stuff like that but um various life experiences have kind of forced me to have to work and um otherwise um but music is really what I want, would rather be doing. But it's really just what helps me get through, I guess. We'll sure. Put it that way. Sure. <laughs> uh, so have you been able to continue performing in any way in the past few months, whether it's yeah. live stream or in person somewhere? Uh, I know in person. I've done quite a few live streams. Um, uh, a label that helped me with a record before, you know, they're very good at that kind of technology. So have helped me with that. Um, and then a few other people and, you know, especially with like a lot of the music circles I kind of surround myself with, um, will host different live streams on like Facebook or Instagram. And I've taken part in that. So, which has been helpful, but, uh, I mean, the money isn't the same, you know, there's no merch table, things like that. Um, but it's still a relief to be able to to do it. Sure. So describe your music a little bit. I mean, does does ambient or experimental are either of those words apt for what you do, or how how do you like to explain what people are like? Oh, you're a musician. What do you do? What do you play? What do you say? <laughs> I uh, the question's always difficult. Uh, ambient. Yeah, I mean, it fits definitely. Um, but I, I think uh, with a lot of other ambient artists, it, their music might be easier to put in the background. Um, you know, like Brian Nino, who's one of the people that would, you know, kind of started all thing, you know, viewed it as wallpaper music, which I think is great. But um, mine doesn't necessarily go there. It can be a little harsh at times, at times. But um but experimental in the sense that it, it will sound different. Um, I have a large focus on minimalist, you know, stuff. I, I like being able to repeat the same thing over and over and over again to kind of create a different sound and textures. Um, something I just have a fascination with. So usually in any press release or anything like that, I call minimalist ambient movements. Okay, okay. Uh, Well, let's hear a little of Asset Defect.
in, in the artwork for this, we see you wearing either looks like a white suit or and a gray or black suit yeah. standing near or on a railroad holding up signs with words um, like secure, free, calm. Tell us about the concept there. Um, so something that uh, I, I don't usually broach much in public, but I've started to a little bit more is, uh, you know, I had a long uh, drug addiction history and, um, and a lot of recovery programs of sorts, you know, they will have this thing where you look at character assets or defects. And um, I kind of decided to do a public version of it in a way. Um, so uh, when I'm in the white suit in a field, I'm holding up uh, like more positive character uh, traits, you know, which will be like trusting, secure, calm, things like that. And then when I'm in the black suit on the railroad tracks, you know, those will be more, um, you know, um, defects of character, um, you know, dirty, meaning like not clean, um, manipulative or compulsive, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. and, and they're all pretty real. Um, I try my best to focus on the assets in everyday life, but I kind of wanted it to be clear that, you know, as a human being with or without drugs, honestly, you know, we all have these assets and defects and just kind of a meditation on that. Sure. And so to someone who sits down with this song, which is almost 11 minutes long, mm -hmm. are there ways in which you intentionally kind of weave in those two themes there? Or is it like, tell me about like sort of how you composed the song or, or whether it was composed or a hundred percent improvised. Uh, it was composed and, and uh, it was going to be part of a bigger album I had planned which I'm still working on, but it just didn't quite work. So I ended up taking this and using it. I've had this idea for a long time and this song ended up just fitting the idea. Um, on YouTube, there's a video of me holding the signs and the signs will kind of follow with the song. You know, it'll start uh, with like quiet because uh, the song starts quiet. Near the end, I'm holding the one that says loud because it gets louder and the character traits kind of change with the flow of the song. Um, wow, so, so that was all intentional? Like as you're, as you enter, you know, minute six, you're like, okay, here's the part where I'm going to represent Dirty. I wouldn't, close. Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of like an after the fact, but as I put up the signs for the, for the video, yeah, it was intentional. If I want this one around this time, mm -hmm. you know, I want the more, um, like I think while I'm holding up the sign that says violent, it's going to be at a more violent sounding part of mm -hmm. the song. Um, but when I was recording it, I didn't really think that out quite yet. <laughs> yeah, it's such a fascinating idea, especially for a full album. I mean, because you could definitely just isolate each of these, you know, traits into right. one song. Although I guess it's tricky if your each song is like ten to twenty minutes long. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, to like just really broaden out the idea and, and really explore it. Yeah. Like, a, yeah, like I said, it was, it was originally going to be kind of like, and I'm still working on it. There's going to be a record with a, it was going to be a vinyl where the A side was going to be the assets and the B side was going to be the defects. And one's going to be kind of softer sounding. One's going to be louder sounding. 
Um, but I was working with another artist and honestly, the pandemic kind of screwed that all up. So I ended the up pandemic, just It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> the pandemic is no good. Um, okay. And then you also have a song called the clouds are thick and I'm sick of the sun. Let's talk about the title there. <laughs> well, and that I actually recorded for, um, there's a record label out of North Carolina called silver records. And, um, they did this thing, uh, bleep last year called drone you where in the month of january they released a different drone song for every day and that was my piece for it um and the thought behind it was really just simple um you know uh, i'm outside and you know i was just looking at this looking at the sky you know i i like the sun but i don't like when it you know burns you <laughs> looking at it you know so it's just like the clouds are thick and that's beautiful but i'm kind of sick of the sun and i'm kind of getting both of them mm-hmm. and the songs mm-hmm. i feel kind of has a tense atmosphere to kind of fit that feeling mm-hmm. yeah let's hear a little bit of that song now tell us a little bit about uh just the mechanics of the songs that you craft like do you have a whole bunch of pedals and um and loops and like how, how are you making the music happen 
Yeah, I'm one of those people with the huge paddle board. And um, with, the, with the clouds are thick and I'm sick of the sun, that one is purely improvised. So that is just me creating washes of sound and looping them and layering and things like that. Um, asset defect is actually very composed. People wouldn't probably really hear that, but it actually is to a metronome and, and all that at mm. some time. Um, and it's just, I had a, it's pretty much like a simple song structure, but instead of fading in and out of parts, I just keep layering them and layering them and layering them on top of each mm. other. And then I'll take them away. Um, so by the time there would actually be a chorus, I guess it's really just five parts layered onto each other. Um, but with the clouds are thick and I'm sick of the sun, um, I take that more as like a painting, I guess, a sound painting. Mm. Um, where it's just the washes of sound placed together, creating an atmosphere. Yeah, this type of music seems like it lends itself so well to the visual arts. I mean, you could like totally, and I'm sure you've done this before or others have done this before where it's like, okay, I'm gonna play. And like right beside me, we've got this professional artist who's got a blank canvas and we're just gonna kind of do our thing at the same time and sort of relate to each other and. It's actually uh, funny because uh, not only have I done that, yeah, but uh, I have a new CD and it's called a Chromis, I can't pronounce it, Chromasasia. And uh, what that means is like uh, the ability to hear music and see the color of the music. Okay, and, like, uh, like synesthesia kind of? Or wait, exactly. Synesthesia? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, so my, my friend Steve Loya, who's an artist out of Leesburg, Virginia, um, did a bunch of paintings and uh, like I'd send him a song and he'd do the paintings to the song or he'd send me a painting and I'd do a song to the painting. We actually have a CD that's a full booklet and uh, comes with an actual art print of his. And so we kind of rode that idea. Yeah, yeah. Pretty Sounds happy about it. Yeah, um, right. So to the listeners, you know, um, just visit Tristan's website or Instagram or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, find yeah. out how to get that. Um, okay, so your top five songs. Your first was Heroin by Velvet Underground and Nico. Um, uh, and you said that you that you hadn't done the drug, but that at some point you were, quote, entrenched in drugs and seeking pleasure from outside influences. So, yeah, like, tell us a little bit more to the degree to which you feel comfortable about that time in your life and what role this song played. You know, it's uh, originally when I was like, it's funny, I grew up, I mean, like my dad had a Velvet Underground poster in our living room and like along with the Ramones and stuff. So like I grew up thinking that was cool. So like not the heroin part, but just Velvet Underground, Lou Reed and all that. Um, But I always, you know, at the time when I was younger, like the more pop focused songs, Walk on the Wild Side, something like that. And then uh, later on, I, 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 that song Heroin, I loved how long it was. I loved how um, just that sound of it is just dark. And um, and especially uh, John Cale, you know, screeching the viola. Um, I had never heard anything like where you could make something so ugly sound so beautiful. 
And then as I got older and was able to listen to the lyrics a little bit more, it was once again along those ideas of something ugly being beautiful, which in hindsight may not be the best influence on a young person. But, oh, well. And um, and then throughout my life, you know, I did become addicted to heroin and things like that. So, um, you know, it's still an important song to me, but on another level, it's this kind of thing where it's meant various things to me throughout my life. Um, there's a lot of songs I liked when maybe I was a preteen or a teenager that now I'm almost embarrassed by, but that one, like, I still, I still like, cause I, I, I relate to it and I still think that how they made the song is still something that I haven't heard anymore. I mean, there's plenty of Velvet Underground bands that sound like that, but no one's doing that piece. Mm-hmm. And, um, sounds original to me every time mm-hmm. okay so your second song was only shallow by my bloody valentine and you said that this this like changed your life so mm-hmm. talk more about that i mean what was it exactly about this song that was life-changing i remember when i heard it i i don't know exactly how old i was maybe 15 16 probably and um i was really mostly into like punk hardcore and metal at the time and you know my friends would just drive around the suburbs here in Virginia listening to music. And um, the guy I was hanging out with was maybe four or five years older than me. And I was just flipping through his book and I was just like, you know, the, the CD binders everyone used to have. Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and um, of course I still, I still have some in my garage. <laughs> you know, and he had a burn CD, not even an actual CD. And it was my play <laughs> Valentine. And I was just right. like, Oh, that's a cool name, whatever. And I put it in and that's the first song and I'd never heard anything like that in my life. It was just, the song starts. It just, it doesn't build nothing. It just yeah. starts. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh my God. Yeah. And um, once again, at the time I was used to mostly music of people yelling at you. And this was this beautiful voice buried in the background. Yeah. And, and I was just like, this is what I want to do. Like I was like, I wasn't capable then, but I was like, this is, this is what I want to make. This is exactly how I feel all the time. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then I went into a huge, you know, a huge phase of just looking for anything like that. And, um, still the best song, I think. Yeah. Actually, this is the first time I've ever heard this song. Uh, really? And, yeah. I, like as soon as it started, I'm like, "This is great!" And it, I kind of <laughs> think like it sounds almost a little sound gardening, like yeah. a little bit maybe mixed with Portishead. I don't know. I was trying to kind of figure out what it is that I was listening to here. That um, it just it does kind of grab you from the start. Yeah, and it sounds beautiful, but sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like it's like kind of happy and pretty but it's really sad and you're just like this is especially at that time in my life i think that's how i felt all the time so like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah love it all right so your third song was storm by godspeed you black emperor like you said in addition to this being the first song um on an influential record uh it was also the first instrumental rock song that you got into so Tell, tell me more about its effect on the music you wanted to create. I mean, was there, were you just kind of turning out more generic rock songs with lyrics and you'd sing them and all of a sudden you were like, oh, wait, I don't even have to sing anything? Or, or kind of, how did you get into 
instrumental only music. Yeah, um, and I picked that song. Sim- I mean, honestly, I could have picked any of their songs, but that one was just you know it's the first one off off the record. Um, but uh, in a similar experience to how I heard only Shadow once again, it was driving around the suburbs and <laughs> listening to music. And um, but this one took patience. You know, it, uh, their songs are very long. And they're very drawn out, but epic. You know, start out so you can hardly hear it. Big crescendos. And um, so it was kind of like you could take things you heard from classical music or more quote unquote professional music and put it in a a rock and roll format. And um, and that was a huge influence on me as uh, I've always thought rock and roll is really cool, but to be able to kind of do it in this artistic way where it could kind of be listened to in a different format and a rock club, but it's still different you know um had a big reflection on me um the other big thing for them specifically is like if you actually buy the records they come with all these uh the packaging is really in-depth and creative um they have messages written in the booklet you know which are usually political in nature um so it's like i came from this punk rock background where people are pretty much hollering their politics at you um they didn't say a word to you. They would just make you feel a certain way and then kind of sneak it in. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, oh, like I could do that? Or that's, you know, because it, honestly, it stuck with me more in most than any punk song I've listened to. Um, and it helped form pretty much who I am today. Um, which is weird, I guess, you know, but um, yeah, like it's just, it's funny. I probably listened to so much punk band singing about anarchy. I never even Googled the word after that. But then Godspeed released the record and they just gave you the definition with some instrumental music to listen to. And then I remembered it. Mm. Um, it just works for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, music speaks louder than sung words or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like the right analogy there. Um, yeah. Okay. So your fourth song was minute hour day week month year the fates in my chest i think is the full title right by city of caterpillar right yes okay uh and they're a virginia band i'm not familiar with them but i think you said okay um have you played with them or how, how did you come to know them no i wish but um so i had to pick something from like they're they're in like the early 2000s like in dc virginia like there was a huge like screamo punk scene and um which i wasn't a part of really but was very influential for me and um but them in particular like were like a hardcore punk band but the vocals were really like weird they didn't yell at you it was kind of sung but like in a really creative way and uh, the songs were always very epic and long. Like they'd have periods of like four minutes of ultra fast hitting you, but and then they go into this long, almost like, like it was a movie soundtrack. And, mm-hmm. um, and the shows that they would play were always very loud, very impactful. It was punk rock to the core, but done in this really arty way. Um, you know, lyrics were very vague. They were, they were poetry. Um, which 
if I were to write lyrics for my songs, that's what I would do. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I picked that one because it's, it's one of these long songs that just takes forever. But um, but there was like them. There was a band called Majority Rule, Page Ninety Nine. There was a band called Crestfallen, who I actually think I was going to put their song, but I just changed my mind. Um, sorry, sorry, Crestfallen. but um but like they all played in those bands there was like five of them you know and they all shared members things like that and um they were all older than me i always wanted to kind of be in that crew but was never cool enough but i still listen to it so okay and then your final song was Fight the Power by Public Enemy, which seems particularly resonant today. Um, oh, this, yeah. was one of, yeah. this was one of the first songs uh, to appeal to you that was outside of the rock genre, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, growing up, like, like, I mean, like little kid, like all my friends like rap and hip hop and stuff, but like I grew up with the Ramones poster on my wall, so that was just kind of what I knew. Um, and at this point, I'm really huge into hip hop, but growing up, I really wasn't. But uh, Public Enemy was, and that song was the first one I heard where it was just so abrasive that it was, it was powerful. And, um, and the, the sounds they would use, the, the DJ, um, you know, it was like noises that they turned into music with Chuck D pretty much just yelling at you, but in a cool way. You know, now one thing I always thought, you know, at the time I, I didn't really think, of, you know, it was just a hip hop thing, but it's like Chuck D was so serious, but Flavor Flav was like this goofy dude just being the hype man. But like, but now I see so much beauty in that. It's like this uh, discrepancy between the two, but they're just like best friends, just trying to make music and make the world better and mm-hmm. uh, being who they are. Um, but that song is a protest song, but in the simplest way. You know, I think he could be on various political spectrums and probably get down with it. And, um, you know, when you listen more, you kind of get where they're coming from. But that's pretty simple. It's just, you know, they're just, they don't, you know, fighting against oppression. Yeah, and I was reading a little bit about it. And I think one of the uh, members of the band was saying it's not about fighting authority. It's fighting the abuse of power. Um, which I think is an important distinction. Thank you so much, Tristan, for chatting with us today. This has been splendid. No, thank you. This was awesome. And uh, thanks to our listeners for listening. Be sure to follow us on social media and join us again when we sit down with another DC area musician to talk about the top five songs that made them who they are. Mm -hmm.